I love when worship songs are, are really just a prayer from our heart. That we would just begin to just ask God to just open the eyes of our heart. Who knew that our eyes, that our heart had eyes, right? Um, and that God, it, only God can open those, those eyes up. And that's what we're singing. Uh, last week, we took a big step in our journey through the book of Ephesians as we've been walking through this awesome packed book, verse by verse. And we've just been journeying through chapter one, and we're on our eighth week here this morning through chapter one of Ephesians. And we see God telling us and sharing us uh, sharing with us a lot about we, 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 uh, what we've called the blessed life. Um, the blessed life. And we see that the blessed life is not just about uh, material things and physical things, but it's really about all the things that Jesus has given us in himself. That's what it means to be blessed, to know and understand that we are blessed in him. In the first half of Ephesians chapter 1, we see the Apostle Paul Tell us all about these blessings. A 204 word sentence. From verse 3 all the way to verse 14, we see the Apostle Paul writing to the church of Ephesus, which today we would say it would be for us, the church here at Walk Church. And he's telling us, you guys are blessed. You guys are adopted into the family of Christ. You guys were chosen before the foundations of the world. Before this world was birthed, God had his heart and eyes set on you. He says that you are redeemed and forgiven and set free in Christ, verse 7. He says that our identity is no longer in this world and in our stuff, but in him. He says he's revealed to us the things of God. He says he has given us wisdom and revelation in Christ. All these things that we get. We, we take ownership of these things. And he says when you understand that, you'll live the blessed life. When you understand you're forgiven, you'll live forgiven. When you understand you've been set free, you'll set somebody else free. Yeah. When you understand that you've been redeemed, the word redeemed means restored to its original purpose. You know that you were originally created for this relationship with God. When you're redeemed, that means that you know him in a fresh way, a new way, a freedom way. And free people, free people. Yeah. Amen? Yeah. And what we see in the first half of Ephesians 1, verse verse 3 through 14 is all the things that we have and last week we said well how do you follow up a, a statement like that how do you follow up so many just crucial pieces to the puzzle and and, and we said we saw it in in the apostle paul's life you follow that up with prayer paul transitions in the second half of ephesians chapter one by now beginning to pray for this church in verse 15, we heard about the Ephesians' love for the church. Um, we, we heard about the Ephesians' faith in Jesus. I love it that Paul says, I heard about their faith and love. Paul's writing this letter according to scholarly tradition from his prison cell in Rome. So Paul is writing to the Ephesian church, and at some point, somebody must have delivered a message to Paul and said, here's what I want you to know, pastor. The Ephesian church is rocking it. Like they are really getting the job done. And Paul said, what do you mean? He said, well, they got faith that is speaking to the city and they got love that is loud. I'll tell you what, I want our church to be known as a church that loves loud. Like too often the loud voice in the church is for negative reasons. Right? Like when we hear the, the church brought up, it's, it's too often for a negative reason. What if for the church was brought up for love reasons? 
Like their love is so contagious and so affectious that we just want to talk about that. We want to know that type of faith and love. The Ephesians had that. Paul heard about that. And so that's what we talked about last week. We talked about what does it mean to have faith that's real and what, do we, what does it look like to have love that's loud? We talked about some pictures of that. Go to walkchurch.com if you want to see that sermon from last week. But we follow up that to now jumping right into the prayer that Paul prayed for the Ephesians. How cool is it that we have recorded for us in the Bible the, the actual words Paul prayed in his prayer closet for the Ephesian church. Like, I want to know, when he says, I'm praying for you guys, I want to know, what are you praying for the church? And we get to see that right here in Ephesians 1. If you're ready, say ready. ready. If you're ready to do it, let's say, let's do this. Ready. Ephesians chapter 1, we're going to look at verse 17 through 19, at least the first part of 19, reading specifically today from the NIV translation. Paul says, I keep asking, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. Verse 18. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance, and his holy people, in verse 19, and his incomparably great power for us who believe. See a lot going on in the prayers from Paul identified for us in these two and a half verses. The thing that I really want us to look at starting out is in verse 17 and 18. And here's what he says in 17. He says, I keep asking. I want you to imagine Paul, if you could. He's in his prison cell in Rome. Day after day, he's going to God in prayer. And he's asking God the Father something very specific. He's saying, God, I pray that you would give Walk Church a spirit, capital S, the Holy Spirit, Spirit of wisdom, I want this church to be wise. I want this church to, to know with absolute wisdom, not just what I've called them to do, but how to do it and who they are and what they mean to me. I want them to know. I want them to have wisdom and not just wisdom. I want them to have revelation. Paul's saying, I, I'm asking you, Father. Paul's saying, God, I'm asking you, give this church wisdom and revelation. Don't let them be confused. Let them have wisdom. Let them have revelation. So, that word so is important, amen? So, here it is. So that you may know him better. He's saying so, so that the Ephesian church would just get to know God better. Notice what he doesn't pray. He doesn't say so that that they may do stuff better. Or they may have more stuff to add on to their plate. But Father, give them a spirit of wisdom and revelation so that they may know Him better. And I'm realizing this principle that I, I, I'm continually to be convinced of and that the primary calling in our life is not to do stuff for God but to have a relationship with God 
where we know him and he knows us. Amen? Like Paul says, everything else will, will work itself out if you just get to know him better. You think that Paul's prayer would maybe just have more theologically depth subjects in it. He's really just praying one thing. God, I just want them to know you better. To just really know in a, in a deep, in a real, in an intimate way, know God better. When you think about your relationship with God, do you know more stuff about God than you actually know God? The question is, do we know him personally? I think it's, it's, it's kind of uh, informing that the same word that describes Adam in the, in, in the book of Genesis at the beginning of time, it says that Adam knew his wife. The same word is found in Ephesians chapter 1 so that the church may know God. And, and, and here's what that means. It's such a deep, intimate relationship that we have with the Father. It's bigger than just one day out of the week for an hour on Sunday. It's bigger than just showing up to Bible study here and there. It's bigger than just reading your Bible and just checking it off the list. I, I read my verse of the day. I did my part. But the question is, did you get to know God better in that moment? The prayer that Paul praying is that we would get to know him better. I just want to camp out on this subject because I'm very passionate about it and I feel like it deserves some extra treatment this morning. Here's why I'm so pumped up about it. Because this is really my testimony. And what's been neat is I've been meeting some new people here at our church and um, it's been cool to just be able to say, hey, Hayden, what's your, what's your story? And being able to even reflect back what... What was the game-changing moment in my testimony where I gave my life to Jesus? It really happened as a college athlete at James Madison University. I was playing college basketball. And I hadn't read the Bible for myself. I was given a, a, a Bible, and I began reading in the first New Testament book of Matthew. And just page by page, reading through this letter, I was learning about Jesus. He was speaking to me, church. He was drawing me closer to himself. And I was like, I like Jesus. He's a cool cat. Right? Like, he, he's up on the mountain preaching. He was rebuking the devil. I learned about the Christmas story in a new way. Right? He, John the Baptist baptizes him. He's, he's walking it out. He's calling the disciples. He's healing blind people. He's setting people free. And then in Matthew 5 through Matthew 7, I saw Jesus begin to deliver the most powerful sermon ever. You guys know what it's called? The Sermon on the Mount. And as Jesus closes the Sermon on the Mount, he uses these words which captured my attention and ultimately changed my life. Do you mind if I share them with you guys this morning? Matthew chapter 7, verse 21 through 23. Now watch this. Now imaginarily buckle your seatbelt right here, right? Jesus closes this awesome message. Now, I'm just kind of reading. I'm just like, hey, I, I'm not totally all in on Jesus yet. I'm just getting to know a little bit. My roommate was an atheist. He was telling me all types of stuff. I was in college. I'm just, I'm thinking for myself. And here I read these verses. And here's what Jesus says. He says, Hayden, here's what I want you to know. 
I said, what you got, Jesus? He says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. What? Did y'all hear that? I thought everybody who says, oh, yeah, I believe in God. I'm a good person. Especially if you call Jesus Lord, you'll be in heaven. And then Jesus said, keep reading. He says, only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Verse 22, I said, well, tell me about your will, Father. He does. He says, many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did, did we not, hold up, Jesus, did we not prophesy in your name? <laughs> you know, I'm prophet so-and-so. Jesus is like, keep reading. Didn't I, didn't I drive out demons in Jesus' name? Like, you sure you got the right guy, Jesus? And then there's the guy that has to one-up everybody. He's like, watch out, guys. I performed many miracles in Jesus' name. Verse 23, then I will tell them plainly. Don't you love when Jesus just, just says it plain? He's like, I don't got, I'm, I'm not really going to make this difficult. I'm just going to tell them really plainly, I never knew you. Oh my goodness. Away from me, you evildoers. Here's what I realized when I read these verses, church. Anybody that may be watching online. What I realized was that the primary calling on my life is not to do stuff. These people did drive out demons, did miracles, prophesying. You could do all that stuff and totally not know Jesus. You could have perfect church attendance and not know Jesus. You get baptized when you were 12 years old and not know Jesus. You could do stuff. But the question is this. At the end of the day, when you lay down at night, can you answer with absolute clarity, I know Jesus. I, we, we really have a deep connection. I really know him. And he knows me. Everything else serves to inform the reality of whether or not we know him. And I'm continuously coming, to this, coming back to this reality. I never graduate from knowing Jesus. I never get to this place in the school of knowing Jesus where I got my degree and I say, I know Jesus. Now I can move on to other things. Yet too often, right, we think, you know what? Sometimes I hear Christians say these things to me like, oh, I've read the Bible. What does that even mean? Like, yeah, I've read that before. Like, you've graduated from knowing God. Like, like if I were to say, oh, yeah, I, I, I know Nina. I don't need to spend any time with her any, anymore. Like, that makes no sense, right? Like, we continue to get to know people that we're in relationship with. Deeper. The more we spend time together, the more we listen to one another, the more we hang out together. Why would that be any different with our relationship with God? Let me give you guys a few things to really chew on. Dr. James Merritt says it like this. The primary purpose of reading the Bible is not to know the Bible, but to know God. The primary purpose of reading the Bible is not so you can say, I know the Bible. That won't help you on that day. What will help you is if the Bible helped you know God. Reading of Scripture is so that we can know Him. Aren't you glad that God desires for us to know Him so much that He gave us a whole book about Him? And it's not a dead book. It's a living book. It's an active book. The book of God is an activator. 
You start reading that supernatural book like happened for me. I, when I read those verses, that started activating my heart. And I said, you know what? I need to get to know Jesus. And then God began to fill in the blank. One of the ways you can get to know me is if you read that word. And my prayer while I read is, God, help me to get to know you better as I read. And if I read something and I don't get nothing out of it and I don't get to know you, let me read it again. I want to make sure I know God. Leonard Ravenhill said, too many people know the word of God, but not the God of the word. We need to know him. Amen? Oswald Chambers in his awesome devotional, Upmost for His Highest. We have one here. If you like one after the service, just find somebody. They'll give it to you. Awesome devotional. Oswald says, we look upon prayer simply as a means of getting things for ourselves. But the biblical purpose of prayer is that we may get to know God himself. The purpose of prayer is not just so you can pray. I will submit to you this morning, prayer is not powerful. God's powerful. All types of people pray. People of all different religions are gathering this morning praying. Prayer in itself is not powerful, trust me. The person you're praying to is the one that's powerful. The source is powerful. When God responds to the prayers of his people, that's where the power happens. Amen? So for us to just have a prayer gathering and pray to the wall wouldn't help us today. Or pray to any false lowercase g gods or goddesses. They can't help us today. God can, capital G, in the form of his son, Jesus, through the power of his Holy Spirit. He helps us through prayer. And the power of prayer is this, that we don't just get to know prayer better, but we get to know God better. I can't tell you how many times I've just been in a moment of prayer and God just dropped something on my, my mind and my heart. Just because I was praying, he put a name on my heart. He put a person on my heart. He put an idea on my heart. That came out of just time spent with God in prayer. I got to know him better. I bet you when we pray, God says, finally I can speak to you now. I can just get with you and, and love on you and teach you and grow you. And then we can test that through his word. Where we get to know him deeper and better. Elmer Towns says that the greatest benefit of fasting and prayer is that it helps us know God as never before. If you ever want to just do a bad diet, go on a fast, but don't get to know God better. That would be unwise, right? Like, oh, I'm fasting, and I'm just filling my day up with a bunch of stuff, but never spending time with God. The purpose of fasting is so that you can take that time that you were going to eat physical food and eat spiritual food and grow in your desire and deepening of simply this, knowing God like you never knew him before. You're going to say, you're going to say God, I would be willing to turn down that plate because I think I, 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 I want to know you like I, before, like I never did before. I want to know you better than I did last year. Like on, on August 27th, Last year, I hope I know God better this year than I did last year. And God says, fasting is not about a, a, a religious duty. Fasting is about knowing me better. Where you stop relying on the things of this world just for a moment, and that much more you have to rely on God. And it's in those difficult tensions where you're like, man, I really want some food right now, that you press that much more into God, and he begins to reveal himself to you in a fresh way. 
That's deep stuff right there. But too often we think, man, I got to read the Bible. I got to go to church. I got to spend time in prayer. Like it's not about you knowing God better. God's, let me tell you, let me give you guys a secret here. It's not a secret. It's reality. God doesn't need your prayers. God doesn't need you to read his word. You need to read God's word. God doesn't really, he's not concerned whether you fast or not. That doesn't do much for God. What fasting does is helps you know him better. God's given us all these gifts, the Bible, an opportunity to pray, things like fasting, things like church. Can I tell you the primary purpose, purpose of this morning? It's so that you can know God better. The, the sermon is designed so that you know him better when you leave. The worship is designed so that you know him better. Maybe you have a thought, you know what, I don't really like the genre of music. It's not about the genre of music. It's about you knowing God better. That's the purpose of worship. It's to worship him and to get to know him better. Our kids' ministry is designed so that kids get to know Jesus better. We don't just play back there. They have a story, a Bible story. They have, they have scripture. They have songs that they sing about knowing Jesus. It's good news. Our resource table is about knowing God better. Our charge groups. We had an awesome charge group at Thursday night at my house. I would encourage you to plug into a charge group. We have multiple different groups that meet throughout the week. We'd love for you to get a part of one. Here's what happens at the group. We get to know God better. We took time to pray. He spoke to us. We took time to encourage each other. He spoke to people through that time. We took time to open his word and, and, and hear from him. He spoke to us through his word. We left charged up. You know why? Because we knew God better. And we had some good food that my wife cooked. Amen. Right? we get to know him better in those times. And so I say all that to say that there's a reason, church, why the Apostle Paul would say, day after day, I'm asking God for one thing. God, give the church wisdom and revelation to know you better. If you make that your prayer, every morning, God, help me to know you better today. I believe you'll start to see spiritual transformation in your life that you didn't see last year if you didn't pray that prayer. That is God's will for your life, for us to know him better. Before I move past this point, I just want to give us one more quotation from uh, Dr. J.I. Packer. He wrote an awesome book called Knowing God, Fitting. And he says, once you become aware that the main business that you are here for is to know God, most of life's problems fall into place of their own accord. Do you believe that? Once we become aware, hold up, I'm getting an awareness right now that the main business that I'm here on earth for is not to work and to make money. It's not to, to just play sports or it's not to be in a relationship with this person. The main business that I'm here for is to know God. Most of life's problems will fall into place of their own accord. J.I. Packer continues. I'll give you one more quote from him. He says it like this. He says, there's a difference between knowing God and knowing about God. When you truly know God, you have energy to serve him, boldness to share him, contentment in him. So maybe you'd ask that question. How, how do I know if I know him? You got energy to serve Jesus today? You got boldness to share about Jesus today? 
Are you content in your relationship with Jesus today? Do you know him like you know your best friend? Do you know him like you know your family? Do you know him even better than that? That's what he calls us to. And not only does he call us to that, that's what life's going to be about in eternity. We never graduate from it. John 17, verse 3. If you've ever wanted to know what eternal life's going to be about, I'm about to give it to you right here. All right? Amen? This is eternal life, that they know you. You could have guessed that one. The only true God and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. We tell all our mission teams, we have about five or six mission teams that come to Las Vegas every year to serve at Walk Church. And every night we do a, uh, or in the first night of the trip, we do a, um, an orientation with them. We eat and we say the primary purpose of this mission trip is not for you guys to do stuff. It's that when you go back home, you go back knowing God better. If you don't know God better because of this trip, yeah, we're going to serve the city. Yeah, our church is going to get better. Yeah, you're going to be a part of what God's doing in Las Vegas. But the purpose of all that is that you get to know God better because that's the purpose of eternity is that they know God the Father and Jesus Christ whom he has sent. If you got all that and you come into agreement, say, I gotcha. Amen? Amen. Paul continues in his prayer for the Ephesian church. He continues by saying, I'm praying that they know you better. As we jump into verse 18 and 19, he continues. He says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people and his incomparably great power for us who believe. For the purpose of time, we're only going to touch on these briefly and we're going to pick it up right here where we left off next week. But Paul continues in his prayer and he says, God, I pray that the eyes of their heart may be enlightened. It's exactly what we just sang. Lord, open the eyes of our heart enlighten the eyes of our heart enlighten the eyes of our mind you know what's something i learned it's really neat that there's two million brain cells in the heart did you catch that i had no idea that there's brain cells that function in the heart you'll notice scriptures that talk about the thoughts of the heart who knew that the heart had thoughts the heart has eyes and so paul prays he says god i want their heart to be so in this i want I want the church to feel the power of God moving in their heart to the point where their heart is enlightened to know the hope which he has called you. Think about all the different areas of hope that he's called us. Do we got hope this morning? Absolutely. We got hope for today that God sent his spirit to be with us. We got hope for tomorrow that he's going before us. We got hope for eternity that it's already secured for us. We got hope for today. Right? God is, has provided us hope. The question is, do we live like it? Do we live like we actually have hope in Jesus? Or do we look like more like we've got defeat? People should be asking us on a daily basis, or at least on a regular basis, Joey, tell me about that hope that you have. People should be saying, hey, Pastor Dean, what's that hope that you have? People should be coming up and saying, Kelly, it seems like you got this type of hope that's different than me. Tell me about that hope. In 1 Peter chapter 3, 
He writes to the church and he says, when people ask you about the hope that you have, always be prepared to give a defense. The problem is people don't ask us about our hope anymore. We can't even give a defense because people don't see the hope of Jesus in us. And Paul's saying, I pray that the church would have so much hope in Christ that it begins to make its way into the community, to the neighborhood, to the family, to the friends, that they say, you know what, I want to get that hope. I want some of that. I need some of that. He doesn't just talk about the hope which we have in Christ. He talks about the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people. That we have an inheritance, that we get something from God. That Jesus' death and life has, has created an inheritance for us today that we get to walk into. And it's not just an inheritance, church. It's a glorious inheritance. It's an awesome inheritance. Finally, his incomparably great power for us who believe. I thank God that his power is working in us and through us to believe. That we need his power. We need his power today, church. And if you've walked in here this morning and you've thought, you know what? I don't sense the power of God on my life. Here is a cue for you, all right, church? Here's an opportunity for you. You say, you know what? I don't sense the power of God working in me. I don't sense the power of God working around me. I don't sense the power of God working in my marriage. Or I don't sense the power of God in, in my kids. I don't sense the power of God. Fill in the blank. This is an opportunity for you to join Paul and say, God, open my heart. Open the eyes of my heart. That you're working in me. God, I want that power. God, I need that power. And I don't want to go another moment without His power. Amen? God can change your drug addiction. God can change your pornography addiction. God can change your worry and doubt. God can turn your depression into joy. I believe He can. I'm not saying that any of those things aren't real. They are very real. But the power of God is real too. And when the power of God collides with the struggles of this world, I believe that His power, check this out, is incomparable. Nothing can compare with His power. So the Apostle Paul writes and he says things like, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. I don't want to operate on my own strength. I want to operate on His power. His inheritance. His hope, His Word, so that ultimately, church, we get to know Him better. Amen? Don't you just want to know Him better?